TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. That is J.J. McCarthy talking yesterday about, uh, don't bring it up, sign stealing. And uh, pretty funny to hear that. We are delighted to welcome in Howard Griffith, another local guy made good, and, uh, and a Big Ten Network analyst and a friend of the program, and he joins us now on the SCORE hotline, which, of course, is powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Howard, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Happy New Year, guys. How are we doing today? Doing well. Same yeah, to you. Right back at you. We are uh, pumped up, and uh, I got to tell you, I thought that the the national semifinals – I just thought those were two excellent games, and it made me feel, especially watching what happened with uh, with Florida State against Georgia, it made me feel like yeah. the the right decisions were made. That, those were the right teams, and I uh, I really in, in, am looking forward to this Big Ten matchup or Big Ten to be matchup, whatever way we want to look at. You know, it was obviously if you're a Florida State fan, it was frustrating for them to go undefeated and not have an opportunity to compete. But I think uh, when you look at what the committee is charged with, they have to reevaluate these teams each and every week. And the reality was that Florida State was not one of the top four teams at that point. And it's also unfortunate that they had the outcome that happened at Georgia last weekend because I think, you know, people – understand that maybe 24 players were missing from that from that roster that were available to them that were playing in previous weeks, but it kind of made it look like, oh, they, they would have had no chance. Uh, and that's not to say Georgia's not a really good team, because obviously they are, but uh, it's just one of the unfortunate things that happened. But let's, next year we will have 12 teams, and let's see if – I don't think that there are 13 teams that can go out and win a championship. I don't necessarily think 12 teams can win a national championship either. But at least we won't have the discussion that I believe we had this year. So, Howard, we heard J.J. McCarthy coming in talk about 80% of teams <coughs> stealing signs in his estimation. And he was yeah. answering a question, and he said it in response to why Michigan – did what they were accused of doing in a response to what Ohio State did and all the things. And I guess I'm less interested in your uh, assessment of, of what that means for college football or the Big Ten or whatever, as much as I am curious, how surprised were you that he would introduce something like that into the conversation as a potential distraction when everything else around Michigan has been so buttoned up? You, you know what? I, I think it's, J.J. is um, you know, he's a great young man. Um, and he's gonna he's gonna do great things whether he's playing football or not. And, and so I know it was a thoughtful answer for him. Uh, but when you think about everything that's going on around Michigan, that's probably something that you could probably leave out, particularly when you also say that Ohio State had something to do with it. I don't think he did it with any malice. I, I think one of the challenges is, you know, this team was accused uh, or. People were accused of stealing signs, and J.J.'s right. 
size feeling in its simple sense when you're just standing on the sideline and you're looking across and you're having people try to, to break the, uh, the size, that has been legal. Uh, but it's when you start to send people and do advanced scoutings when you start to run into problems. And ultimately, that's what uh, Jim Harbaugh was suspended for three three games for. And it wasn't that Jim Harbaugh knew. It was that, okay, you should, probably should have known. But it's one of those things, I think you walk into to this type of game, you, you want, would like to keep everything that's on the field and you like to avoid any controversy and keep it to the sidelines. But I think this is also one of those things that has really been plaguing these players you know, since it started. And really the players haven't made a lot of comments, at least publicly, or at least from your quarterback, at least, uh, to, to really discuss it. And I think they've been frustrated by it. I think them being in the Big Ten championship game and then in the, the playoffs and then now in the championship game, in their eyes, sort of vindicates them. Now, other people, that's a different discussion. We're not here to discuss that, just maybe why those comments were used by J.J., but I don't believe he was doing it with any malice toward Ohio State. I think he was just trying to be truthful and honest about the question uh, that had been asked to him. How how good is that defense, and how do they hold up against that Washington offense, which, I, I mean, I got to tell you, I know another uh, Big Ten transfer, but Michael Penix Jr. is putting the ball on the money. You know what's scary about Michael Penix Jr. is that you know, when he was in, at Indiana, he showed a lot of these these traits of being a, a big-time quarterback, can make all the throws, can really work the pocket. Um, but it was the injuries that were well-documented. Right. And, you know, that really slowed him down. But to, to go back and be with DeWar uh, out in, in Washington, he's got obviously a new lease on life. He's put two incredible seasons together uh, that's put him in a position to arguably be – you know, one of the top quarterbacks to be discussed in this upcoming draft, but he just drops the ball on the money, drop dimes all day long, and his receivers are unbelievable. So when you look at this Michigan defense, they're elite. There's no question about it. I think the best part of that defense is the back end, and that's what will be challenging against uh, Washington because, you know, these elite receivers that they have, and the defensive front will have to be – they'll have to be really concise on what their pass rush lanes are because Penix will run, but he really maneuvers in the pocket to throw the ball vertically down the field. And he really trusts those guys. There's no such thing as 50-50 balls when you're playing against Michigan. It looks more like 80-20. And he gets, sorry, Washington. And he gets rid of the ball so fast. Some, some of these yeah. blitz packages that work so well against Alabama – you wonder mm-hmm. if they will be effective against Washington because of how well Michael Penix Jr. does distribute the ball, how quickly he delivers it. Howard, I, and I think the Michigan defense probably gives them their best chance. That may be their biggest advantage. Do you look at any position area or any part of this game where Washington has an advantage? Well, I would tell you this. I think Washington has the advantage at at the wide receiver position. They probably have the advantage just because they way they play in the game at the quarterback position. I don't think it's a huge difference, but I, I think one of the things that I thought JJ had to play really, really well uh, versus Alabama. It turned out that he didn't need to be great. He just needed to make, make the plays uh, that were there for him. But again, I think he has to elevate, continue to elevate his play and they guys got to find ways to get open. This is going to be, you know, a tough task for him. But this is a really good Washington team. And one of the things 
remember going back when they were playing against Oregon, Oregon was the team that felt like was more physical. At least the national narrative was Oregon is more physical than Washington. And, and Washington was able to, to answer those questions and, and really in both games. Um, so we know that this game is going to be physical, but we also know that Washington wants to play this game in space. And that's not something that we've watched Michigan do, right? The, they haven't, they haven't seen a quarterback, and not many people have, of Michael Pinnock's skill set this year on the rosters. On the rosters, the best one would have been Talia at, at Maryland. Mm. And he's that's a drop from what they're going to see in, in Michael Pinnock. So this is a huge challenge. You know, they may they may have some help if the running game is not working the way they need it to do for Washington. But if this turns into one of those high scoring affairs, which Quite frankly, it could, and that, that's not a knock on Michigan defense, but it could be one of those games just from the fact of how quickly uh, Washington gets rid of the football and they put the ball in space. So sure, tackling is going to be a big part of this game as well. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. I'm curious when you uh, when you look at the, the way the conference is changing. And I, and I was joking about the all Big Ten, but it is. I mean, Michigan is going to face... This team, this Washington team, I believe it's October 5th of next year. And you start looking at the schedules and holy cow, you know, there is just so much firepower in the Big Ten moving forward. Uh, This is the first time in nine years that uh, Mm -hmm. that an SEC team is not in the final. Do you see this changing in in the Big Ten becoming the better conference? I know Texas is joining the SEC. I know they're getting better. But how much better right. do you anticipate the, the Big Ten being moving forward here? If we just look on paper uh, and you look at what, what Oregon was able to do, you look at Washington, yeah. SC still has a lot of questions. Um, it, you know, they can score points, but defensively is where they had some issues. But they brought Danton Land over, who did an unbelievable job uh, at UCLA this past season. He's now the defensive coordinator at USC. But just the way the game is going to be played. I think that's going to be the difference. And I think one of the things that, that coaches are looking at when you look at your Big Ten coach, obviously, you look at the landscape of the way the game is going to be played. We've talked about teams playing in space. You know, that's been there. We've watched the, the Ohio States want to do it. You see Maryland uh, wants to do it, throw it all around. Penn State wants to do it. But you really haven't seen it at the level. Uh, I think that the USC and Oregon and, and Washington want to do it. So I, I think people are, are studying how they're going to play. Uh, I think that current Big Ten teams believe that the physicality may be in their favor, at least early. But these teams are recruiting. I, I mean, you look at you know, some of the recruits that Oregon got, some of the recruits at Washington. I mean, these are elite players that no matter where they had gone, whether it was an SEC team or uh, other Big Ten teams, they were going to be, you know, powerful players and I think going to be contributors early. So, listen, I, I think one of the things that's getting ready to happen or that's going to happen 
is athletic departments need to reassess what success looks like um, for their programs. And, and I think that's going to be hard for a lot of fan bases. I think it's going to be hard, hard for a lot of administrations as well because going to this 18-team playoff, 18-team uh, uh, Big Ten, means we're taking the top two. One and two are going to be playing in the Big Ten championship. And so there are some scenarios out there where, you know, the odds of you getting to a Big Ten championship game now have diminished mightily. So I think the expectations uh, are going to have to, you know, you're going to have to make a shift, as I said, in what success looks like uh, from a college program, not just here, but I think around the country that, that same um, uh, assessment will have to be made. Including at Evanston, where Northwestern coach David Braun became the Big Ten Coach of the Year, turning a one-win team into an eight-win team, bowl victory over Utah. Howard, it was really a remarkable rise. I think the greatest turnaround in the country when you look at college football this year. How did he do it, and can he sustain it? <laughs> David, I'm going to tell you, I have no idea. <laughs> I, and, and I, I'm going to be uh, – when I went to, you know, we go around and see all the teams um, in the summer. And when we saw them was bad timing because the, the situation with the fits, it, it was only a couple of days old. And this was a, I hadn't seen a team that, that looked like that in, in my college career. I mean, there was not a lot of enthusiasm. Guys were down. And, and you look hindsight, you look back and you say, yeah, well, um, you know, you understand why. But the one constant that was continuing to be there was that, you know, they were telling us that, that the players really believed in his coaching staff and really believed in, in Coach Brown and what he was trying to do. And, and if you think about this, right? You, you, you come in because you're, if you're David Brown, you come in because you're coming to fix the defense. You're not thinking about being a head coach. Your total focus is fixing a defense. Shortly after that, you realize now all of a sudden you're in the corner office. You're not only fixing the defense, but you got to be concerned about what's going on on offense. You need to be concerned about what everything else is happening on your campus as it applies to as it applies to your your, your team because it's it's a different world when you're the head coach versus a coordinator with all the responsibilities and never to have been at that in that spot. Regardless of what level, not to have been in that spot and the way he handled himself uh, and the way he handled that team speaks volumes about who he is as a head coach. It was an unbelievable, you talk about a team coming together and rallying together and, and wanting to, to prove people that, that, that they could play and, you know, and they did it. They got it done. And it was a remarkable run. You think about a, a coach that also has to be concerned about recruiting. Uh, really couldn't dive into that the way he wanted to because he's trying to focus on his team. He was just being pulled in so many different ways, but they were able to still find a way to focus. I, I think it'll be someone needs to write a book. Someone's going to do a story, but you know that's a sit down that's four, five, six hours <laughs> to just talk with him about you know the different things and emotions and and challenges that he had this year because what he what he did is just unbelievable it's remarkable and, and i don't know that we'll see it ever again uh in college athletics because it was an amazing run howard we'll let you go and thanks for jumping on i'm just curious do you want to see justin fields back in chicago <laughs> do you think the bears need to draft caleb williams what's your take here's my take i mean you, you know I, I i go down into the weeds with this one here's what needs to happen and i think this will Kevin Warren has to evaluate everything from 
you know, your scouting department, your GM, your head coach, if you are deciding to go with Caleb Williams, if you are deciding to keep Justin Fields. Because it's Justin Fields' contract is coming up. It's going to be there, right? The the you So for me, you need to make sure that the proper pieces are in place to whoever, whether it's Justin, whether it's uh, whoever it is, the proper pieces are in place so the franchise can move forward. It's easy to say, let's, tra- let's trade down and get all of these picks. Let's keep Justin. And then we have to give him this big contract. But to me, it all starts with making sure that your head coach and your GM are truly on the same page in everybody's lockstep. Then you can build this thing. Because if there's no cohesiveness running from the top down, we know as Chicago fans, we'll still be frustrated a year, two years from now. But they have an opportunity to, to make sure that, that they're doing the right thing, and they just have to make the right business decisions, I think, up front before you can decide who you want to draft. Either way, they're going to end up with a Big Ten quarterback. <laughs> facts. Those are true facts. Great stuff, Howard. Thanks a lot. You're the best, Howard. Right, Thank fellas. you. All right. Have a great weekend. Take you care. Too. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.